What's up, Life Point? How y'all doing today? Come on now. It's afternoon service on Sunday, June 6th. Man, praise God. It's such a great day to be together. How many of you love that last song we sang today? What a, what a word. Holy moly. I've been singing that like I, oh man, just first service I was crying. We sang it pre-service today too. I'm just, man, we are praying that God change this nation. How many of you know we need it in America? Bless the Lord. Y'all not watch the news? What's wrong with you? We need Jesus bad. And uh, we, it's going to start in the church. And I'm telling you, man, move of God, moves of God always happen because people of God pray. And so I want to challenge you, let a song like that become an anthem for your prayer life and ask God, open the heavens, man. Just let your spirit flow in our place, in our church, in our families. Hallelujah. All right, well, you guys seem real excited to be here. <clears throat> Thank you for coming. My name is Mike. I get to serve here as lead pastor. It's an honor to be with you today, especially uh, if you're new with us for the first time ever. We want to say a big welcome to you, LifePoint. Come on, online or in the room. We're so glad you're here. One more time. Let's give it up for our guests today. So if you would take a moment and just text the letters LPC to that number 31996, or if you're in the room, you can fill out a connection card, and we will do a simple follow-up with you with your next steps. We promise not to harass you, uh, but we just want to get you connected here. I want to thank you guys for being a generous church. Thank you for always just continuing to grow in generosity. And over the last 11 years, it's just been so cool to see how much our church continues to grow and get better and just grow in certain areas. Our mission as a church is to lead people to be fully devoted to Jesus. And so every part of our lives, we want to see growth and continue to take next steps. And generosity is one of those ways that you continue to, to grow. And we work hard to be stewards of everything that you give and always want to take care of the needs of this house, needs of this church family. But also it puts us in a position to always be ready to be a blessing to others. So thank you for that. I want to challenge you as we get into this summer uh, with just a couple areas of, of giving. And, and Jesus, pray about this. Consider it. Mull it over and think about it. But many of us are getting ready for summer vacations or take some downtime or take a couple weeks off from work. And hopefully you've made your plans. You've booked your rooms. You've budgeted. Talk about that next service. Anyway, you, you, you got everything ready. I'm excited for you to get some time away. The last 18 months have been hard for everybody. And so hopefully sometime in the next couple months you're going to get some time away. Stephanie and I are very excited to get some rest and some time off later this summer to recharge with God and with our family. But I want to challenge you in a couple areas. As you plan for downtime, as you plan for vacation, as you plan to go and whether it's sit on a beach or climb a mountain or do whatever you're going to do, I want to ask if you would think about giving part of your summer away to serving and blessing others. Like many of us, we think of, of summer as a time to rest and vacation and recharge ourselves. I think that's wonderful and necessary. But I also want to ask you, would you consider giving some of your time away to serve somebody else, whether it be a neighbor, someone in town, a coworker, a colleague, or a server at a restaurant? Like how can you give part of yourself away this summer to be a blessing? And I want to give you some easy ways that we try to help you with that at LifePoint, but really it needs to be a rhythm of our lives. First of all, uh, we want everybody serving on a dream team. I mean, that's an obvious way that everyone can get connected to serving others. You come to church, not out of a duty, but it's a delight to serve other people. Open a door, rock a baby, run a camera, whatever it is. Also, July 10th is our annual summer serve day. We have serve day four times a year now where we do church-wide, and we want to just flood our city with serve projects. Well, let me ask you even now to give, give that day to God. Give that day to serving a neighbor, a coworker, somebody in town, and you can... Come up with your own surf project, find your own, ask your small group to come up with something together. Maybe you like to go to Mana Cafe or Hope Pregnancy Center and do something there or Yay Pack. 
Look on our website for projects, but would you give some of your time this year, not just to resting and not just to doing what's fun for you, but would you give some of your time away to being a blessing to other people? And here's what I believe. You may never know the seeds that you're planting or the way that you being a blessing to somebody else changes their life, but I also believe that God will use it to change your life as well. Go enjoy your vacations. Take your time off, but would you consider serving others this summer? Do it as a family. Do it as a small group. Um, last summer, during, on our summer serve day, we had one of our leaders in our church, he's a board member here, um, he approached a neighbor of his whose house had kind of gone to, end, to disrepair. He had, it, it had all overgrown on the porch, the, the weeds had taken over the porch and the grass had taken over the, the bushes. And so he asked his small group, he said, hey, we're going to serve, there's a guy in my neighborhood, we're going to see if we can help him clean up his yard. And he didn't know the neighbor. He had seen him uh, very little, but he'd seen the house. And how many of you got maybe a house in your neighborhood that you drive by and you go, what in the heck's happening over there? Okay, so what he did was he knocked on the door, and he went to the front of the house, and he, the guy comes to the door, and he's immediately like, what do you want? You know, he's gruff, and he's a loner. He's a widower. We found out that he's um, kind of indigent, and he's sick, and he's dying, and the reason his yard is not being taken care of is not because he doesn't care. He just literally can't do it, so this board member from our church asked him. He said, hey, I've got a group of friends from my church, and we're looking for a way to serve and to just be a blessing. Can we come and clean up your yard? And the guy got mad at him. He's like, get out of here. I don't need any handouts. I don't need no help. He's like, no, seriously, sir, we want to be a blessing to you. And our whole church is doing this. He said, I don't want nothing to do with your church. I don't want nothing to do with your God. And I don't need you coming over here fixing my yard. So this guy's like, really, we'd love to do this for you. Like, we're more than happy to serve you. <laughs> well, they finally relented. And he agreed to let this group come and serve their family, this house. And so the small group comes on serve day last summer, and they bring everything to do the yard work, and they get the whole yard spruced up and cleaned up. And that guy's on the porch grumpy just watching the whole time. I don't want your God. I don't want nothing from you. You ain't getting no money. I mean, he's just mad at the whole thing. And they served without asking for anything. They were cheerful, and they gave back. Well, the next week, he pops by the guy's house, and he goes, hey, how you doing? Just checking in on you. See how you're doing. Do you need anything else? I don't need nothing from you. Okay, no problem. Next couple of days, check in. How you doing? That turned into... Uh, he and his wife ended up being this guy's caretaker. That turned into them getting him groceries and helping serve him and clean his home for him. That turned into a beautiful friendship that God orchestrated by knocking on the door of a guy's house who was overgrown. That turned into that, that old man as he was dying, asking this man if he and his wife would be, um, take power of attorney to settle his estate in the event of his death. That turned into about three months ago, I get a call from this leader in our church. And he's driving to the nursing home. Now they had put this guy in nursing care and said they don't expect him to live through the weekend. And he said, Mike, we have served this guy faithfully for the last year. And he said, but I am determined for him to give his life to Jesus before he dies. And I'm telling you, we prayed right then. And that guy that night submitted his life to Jesus Christ. Two days later, met him face to face. Come on, somebody. All from knocking on a door, asking, can I cut your bushes? And he didn't relent when the guy was like, get off my property, you know. He didn't back off. He just kept serving. No strings attached. Glad. Would you consider serving somebody this summer? Just give a day. Give three hours a week for three weeks. or what? I don't care how often you do it. Join us on July 10th for Serve Day. But look for opportunities to serve. And the other area I want to challenge you in, in, in generosity is ask God if there's anything else he wants of you just for this summer. Maybe there's a, a ministry program or a missionary or a church that we support. We have over 100 partners, YAPAC, Loaves and Fishes, Hope Pregnancy Center here in town, a bunch of churches we coach and help. And just ask God, Lord, is there anything else you want me to give towards this summer? 
and then simply obey God. You don't need to ask a pastor or ask anybody right here. Just ask God. He loves you and he can direct you. So ask the Lord and do what he says. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So let's serve and let's be generous as God directs us. Thank you for your willingness to do that. Also, we have a group of about 24 students and leaders from our student ministry that are in Memphis this week serving on a short-term missions trip. And they are hot and sweaty and it's awesome. They need to work hard and sweat and stink. So they're over working hard today serving, doing some outreach in Memphis. So we want to pray over them. God, would you bless our students, give your angels charge around them, watch over them, keep them, and protect them, Lord God, and make them effective unto the gospel for your kingdom work. Get them all back, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And thank you for the opportunity to give, to serve, to make a difference as the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, turn me to the book of Acts chapter 2. We're at the final passage of Acts 2, and I've titled the message today, The Model Church. And I've titled it this. This was the very first church. It's the very first description of what it looks like to be a Christian and to be a community of Christians, to be a body of Christ, to be a church. It's really interesting as we're progressing through the book of Acts, we've seen some things. We've seen God as a promise maker and God's a promise keeper. How many be thankful that he keeps his word? And we see this outpouring or this filling, this baptizing, this giving of the Holy Spirit to the people of God and the church being established. And then we see some questions arise, some critics, some people wondering what's going on. And Peter steps up in Acts 2, and he gives this amazing sermon teaching that this is very biblical, it's very powerful, and that this move of God through the giving of the Holy Spirit is for every one of us that would call on Jesus. In fact, I want to remind you that every one of you, if you've said yes to Jesus, you've actually said yes to the Holy Spirit coming on the inside of you and living on the inside of you. My prayer through this series has been that our church would have an incredible revelation that the Christian life is a spirit-filled life. Listen. You're not saved if the Spirit of God doesn't live on the inside of you. It's not enough to just believe that Jesus is real and believe what the Bible says about him, but we actually submit to Christ and we receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, life in the Spirit. Paul would write in Romans chapter 8, he says, everyone who's led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. So I want to give you just kind of a litmus test in your life right now to evaluate, are you being led by the Spirit or not? Here's how you evaluate that. Does your life look like God's in charge by the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? Or does your life look like you're in charge? Does your life look like your impulses, your passions, your sin, your hangups, your habits, your addictions, your background, your successes, your pride, your money, whatever? Is that what rules your life? Or does the Spirit of God rule your life? Let me tell you something. It's really hard to sin when the Spirit is leading you. It's hard to commit adultery when you're led by the Holy Spirit. It's hard to cheat on your taxes when you're led by the Spirit. It's hard to cuss out somebody on Wilma Rudolph when you're led by the Spirit. That's why some of y'all need worship music playing in your car all the time. Man, you play this song all the time because I'm a bad driver. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be waving at everybody with one finger all the time. I need the Holy Ghost in my car. It's really hard to yell at your commander and defy orders. It's really hard to steal from your company when you're led by the Spirit. And so there is no Christian living without the Spirit of God leading you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Are y'all seeing this even from the book of Acts? I mean, listen, and in my tribe, you know, I come from a more Pentecostal background, and we've, we've gone way far on, like, what does it mean to have the Spirit in church? Like, what does it mean to have the Spirit move in church with falling out and gifts and tongues and all those kind of things? I want to teach you how to have the Spirit in life, <laughs> like on Tuesday at Walmart. Come on, somebody. We need to be Spirit-led all the time. So we have this amazing stuff happening in the book of Acts. And I want to encourage you this summer, pursue more of the Holy Spirit. Here's what that looks like. God, I, I believe in you. I follow you, Lord Jesus. I love you. I'm thankful for you dying on the cross. Holy Spirit, 
I want you to have more of me. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. Don't just pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Pursue the gifter that is the Holy Spirit. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Okay. I'm about to preach. Y'all better talk back to me today. So at the end of Acts 2, now we jump out of this day of Pentecost um, timeline and we're in now this final paragraph of Acts 2 that is a jump in the timeline. And the whole chapter, if you look at Acts 2, verse 1 to 41, Acts 2, verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, and then it described the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire and speaking in tongues and miracles and then Peter's sermon. All of that's happening on day one, the day of Pentecost. Verse 41 said, so those who received his word were baptized and those were added that day, the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 souls. We remember last week that I said that may have been 3,000 men plus their families, women, children, and servants. So it could have been up to 10, 15, 20,000 people were added to the church on the first day of the church. Then Acts 2.42, the very next verse, talks about what those Christians now, thousands of Christians, were like, what they lived like. And it jumps out of the day of Pentecost into the life of the church. And that's where we're going to pick up today. So I want to read it completely, and then we're going to walk through this verse by verse. So verse 42. So God had saved all these people. They were baptized. Hey, by the way, if you've not been baptized in water as a follower of Jesus... Today's your day. We got shorts, T-shirts, towels, everything you need. In fact, I'm getting in the tank after this service because I'm excited. I, I don't get to baptize very often because I'm preaching, but I'll be out there baptizing, uh, one of the guys baptizing today. So if you'd like to be baptized, today's your day. Let's go. Get your hair wet. All right. They devoted themselves, circle that word devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe. You should underline that word too. All came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, that's all the Christians, thousands of Christians. Look at this. All who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to each other, to all, as anyone had need. Verse 46. Day by day they attended the temple, come on, they went to church every day. That's what I'm talking about. Starting tomorrow, everybody, we're having 9 a.m. services every day. And we are taking roll. <laughs> I'll be honest, as a pastor, I just want people to come 52 Sundays a year. They went every day. I just wish you'd come every Sunday. Isn't that easier? Isn't that one out of seven? Come on now. Every day they went to temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So every day they went to church and every day they had small group. Oh, man, come on. Y'all know where this sermon's going. <laughs> Stephanie told me when I preach it, don't look mad. So I'm not mad. Can we just settle that on the front end? They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then here it is. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So on day one, thousands get saved. And then they start living this certain kind of way. And God added every day people that were being saved. Isn't that great news, everybody? Now, I call it the model church because I go, Lord, let this church, let the, the model of this church, let it be modeled in us. Well, what are some of the things that we see from this passage? First of all, they themselves devoted themselves. Now, this is really interesting. I can't, y'all know how I like to slow read the Bible, right? So verse 42, we're going to get stuck there for a second. They themselves devoted themselves. And what I mean by this grammatically, if you just slow down and read what I'm saying, they weren't forced to be devoted. 
they chose to be devoted. They weren't, they weren't hard-lined in or arm-twisted in or manipulated to follow these rules or these regulations. They themselves offered themselves with devotion. They chose to give their lives to this thing. They chose to live this way. I, I just want to pause there and look at the language. They devoted themselves. Everybody say themselves. They, the Bible doesn't say their pastor, Peter, was super devoted. They had a really spiritual group of church deacons or church grandmothers who were devoted. They had a few really holy rollers. And it doesn't say they were forced or manipulated or arm twisted to carry certain beliefs or devotion. That's what religion does. Religion says if you're going to belong to this, you must do these things. And if you don't, there's punishment for you. I'm watching a documentary right now on uh, Scientology. And I'll be honest with you, it is... It's really, unfortunately, a terrible deception. If any of you are coming out of that, I pray God deliver you completely. But, but what I'm seeing in Scientology is, like, if you don't follow to a T the processes and the devotions that they have, you will be punished, literally physically harmed in punishment in the Scientology movement. It's bizarre. But they weren't forced into devotions. Jesus didn't ascend from heaven and go, hey, here's a list of rules. If you don't do it, I'm coming back with seven lightning bolts. I'm going to snap you in the head. They chose to make some certain devotions, and they willfully walked into these devotions. I find that incredibly convicting. Honestly, the language about devotion, look, you got to remember, these are thousands of Christians, not just the 120, not just the original 12 or the 11 plus the 12. Thousands of Christians devoted themselves. Think of the word devotion. How do you define devotion? Better yet, how do you decide what you've been devoted to? See, for many of us in the church world now, devotion is like your, your rhythm of reading a Bible text or doing like a, a, um, like a prayer journal. You would call that a devotional. I'm not talking about that. The word to devote yourself is to give your all to something, to go all in with your passions, your emotions, your convictions, your resources, your whole heart. I mean, we see devotion on all kinds of stuff, sports teams. Come on, you ever, you ever known the, the paint your belly sports fans? You know what I'm talking about? Like that's another level of sports fandom. I'll wear a hat. I am not showing my belly on national television with a fleur-de-lis on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not going to do it. I'm a Saints fan, but I ain't a dummy. You know, <laughs> I got dad bod for a reason. But, but there's another level of passion, another level of devotion, right? And that's what's happening here. They, to devote yourself is to go all in, to give all your passion, emotion, conviction, even your resources with your whole heart. We use language like we're going to go all in or give it all you got. Man, I'm just really convicted by this text. They themselves chose to devote themselves. They weren't being forced or manipulated or guilted or coerced. They, by the thousands, were now so committed to Jesus that they collectively devoted themselves to Jesus. They were so moved by Christ. They were so moved by the Holy Spirit that they moved their whole selves in a collective group of devotions. <clears throat> they went all in on this Christianity thing. They gave it all they had. Being part of his church, his family, they devoted themselves and they did it themselves freely of their own accord. Can I tell you, that's what happens when God gets a hold of your life. Honestly, I want you to evaluate this in your own life. Are you truly devoted to Jesus? Like, like what are you devoted to? What have you given yourself to? Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your family and your passions. Maybe it's some sports thing or hobby. What are you most devoted to? And why isn't it Jesus? Why isn't he the highest of your affections? Have you gone all in with him? And he's the first, most important part of your life. I've worked with people for a long time. 
And I see passions, hobbies, career, training. I watch parents go all in with their kids. They're going to make their kids their greatest success. Their, their whole life revolves around their kids' schedules, making their kids happy, making sure their kids have a life they never had, and giving their kids their lives to make their kids the most successful. And I get the well intention of parents when they do that. The problem is the best thing you could give your kid is a love for Jesus, not to be a better soccer player. We got soldiers who are going all in, wanting to be the ultimate Joe, eating, beating, breathing army life, combat, promotions, career advancement. They sleep in their fatigues. They go to every training thing. They get every tab and every career advancement. But I'm telling you, the greatest army you can be in is the army of the Lord that serves God. I've watched people chase hard after money, after physical fitness, after their sexual identity, the pride of their life, being popular or projecting a certain image. Can I tell you something? All those things, while maybe well-motivated and intended, are they, are they consuming you beyond your passion for Jesus? Man, I've struggled with this as a pastor. I remember standing in the field out front on this property when we had just 100 people begging God to grow his church, begging God for the money to build out this new building and just pleading with the Lord. And what happens is the very God that, that inspired this thing now that, that, that I serve and I lead and I pastor becomes second to the very thing that he gave me to lead and to pastor. We pray and we ask God, Lord, what's the direction of my life? What's the will of God for my family? And then when he gives us his, his blessing and his will and his provision, we begin to devote ourselves to the hand of God instead of the God who gave it to us. That's what happened with the rich young man in Luke 18. He comes to Jesus. He goes, what did I have to do to inherit eternal life? By the way, I'm not dissing soccer or career advancement or being a great soldier. I'm just saying make sure Christ is your highest devotion. And if all those things consume more of your time, energy, and budget than your love for God, you might just need to make some adjustments. Don't quit the soccer team. Don't quit your job. Don't quit the army. Just put more of Jesus in it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm not trying to judge anybody or browbeat anybody. I got kids too. I want them to do well. But what happened to the rich young man? He comes to Jesus. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's rich, powerful, and young, which is a sign of God's blessing. And he comes to God himself. And he said, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus goes back and forth with him a couple times. And he says, well, the only thing you haven't really done to have eternal life with me is follow me. <laughs> and he said, the thing in the way of that, go take all your money and all your possessions, give it away, sell it off, give the money to the poor, because that's really your God. He said, come follow me. And you got to evaluate this question. They devoted themselves, like giving up careers. They, they gave up like aspirations. They gave up goals and futures because all of a sudden God got a hold of their heart and their devotions changed. All of a sudden it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the point that it cost him. Peter left his fishing career. Matthew left his tax collecting. All of these disciples left the life they knew and devoted themselves. So ask yourself the question, are you really all in with Jesus? Have you devoted yourself to a life for him? I'm not asking, is your pastor devoted? Is his wife devoted? Is your dad devoted? Do you have a grandfather who's a good preacher? Have you devoted your life to the lordship of Jesus? And here's the way to, here's the way to test it. You ready? I'm going to help you because I have to live with this too. I love, I love what God's done in my life. I love what God's done with this church. But I have to be willing to lay it down at any time if God asks me to. And that's the way to test it. If God asks you to lay anything down that you love, would you do it? And sometimes we go, well, God, you gave this to me. I remember as a music student in college and wrestling through this call to ministry and this assignment to ministry. And God, like, I feel like God blessed me with a voice and a full-ride scholarship to be a singer, a musician. So I would argue with God. I was like, God, you put me in this program 
to be an opera singer. I feel like God at one point was like, no, I put you in that program to meet your wife. And uh, that's really the best part of that thing for you. But are you willing to lay down that career that I was pursuing to do what I've called you to do? And by the way, even now, I have to still be willing to do that. So the question is, if we're going to be devoted to Jesus, are we willing to lay anything down that's in the way of that? Are you all hearing what I'm saying? And I just love, look, verse 41 says God added thousands to the church that day. And the very next word says, and they devoted themselves. God didn't force devotion. He didn't drop a letter from heaven and said, if you don't do these things, I'm going to kill you. They chose to devote themselves to Jesus. So then what were the devotions? Are you all hearing me so far? The right devotion. I feel like I said the word devotion, devoted like 100,000 times just now. So they had right devotions. These devotions, these committing, these commitments, these passions that they had were correct. And this is where scholars agree. Like these are the things that need to shape churches in the New Testament. New covenant churches need to be shaped this way. Watch this. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And there's more in a moment. But these are the first four categories of the devotions of the New Testament church. And I'm just going to tell you on the front end, I believe LifePoint Church needs to be devoted to all of these things. I think we're doing a pretty good job, but we can increase. Let's talk about it. They were excited about these devotions. The first being the apostles' teaching. If you're not familiar with what he's referring to, generally we're going to use the word scripture because the, the apostles taught the Bible. And the Bible they knew was the Old Testament, and they knew the teachings of Jesus, which had become the gospel. So they taught the Gospels. They taught what Jesus taught. They taught the parables of Jesus, which I've written about in a book called Parable Church, available now at Amazon.com. It's free in our bookstore. They, if you go back to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which we'll do for you today. And then he said, and teach people everything I've taught you. So Jesus commissioned the disciples, teach them what I've been teaching you. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which were the teachings of Jesus, which were the teachings of Scripture. And now that we have it canonized into a Bible, how many of you know we're going to be a church that's devoted to not only just reading the Bible, but studying the Bible, learning the Bible, and living by the Scripture and the Word of God? Can I hear an amen, everybody? They were devoted to Scripture. Second thing, they were devoted to fellowship. That means they chose to go all in with going all in with other Christians. They attended church. They worshiped together. They went to prayer meetings. They were in church. They were in small groups. Acts 20, verse 20, we're going to see later, Paul said, I went about preaching in the temples, in the big house, and house to house in small group gatherings. Here we see in verse 46, day by day they attended the temple, and they broke bread in their homes. So they went to church, and they did small groups. Come on, small groups, where you at? That means they were devoted to their church family. We've given in to this terrible idea that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's just nowhere in the scripture. That's nowhere in the Bible. And why would you not want to join and be a part of the family of God? I'm trying to smile. Why would you not want to be around Christians if you say you belong to Christ? The church is the bride of Christ. You don't get to be with Jesus and not be with his bride. You can never be my friend and hate my wife. Sorry, we're not going to be friends. And, and there's Christians all around the world. They're like, I don't like the church. Church is full of hypocrites. We're not full yet. Are you kidding? We've got tons of room for more. And, and our small groups, well, that's just weirdos in a small group. No, you're weird, and we need more weird people to come and be a part of this weird small group. We're all weird. You all do weird stuff when nobody's looking. How many toenail eaters? Don't raise your hand. You know who you are. You pick your belly button gross. You're weird. We're all weird. And the beauty is God doesn't need us to all be the same. We just need to all worship the same God. 
He needs us to be different. That's why when, you're, when your shoulder hurts, you grab it with your right, left hand, right? You don't just go throw the shoulder out and say, well, I don't need you anymore anyway. Look, when you're up, we're up. When you're down, we're down. When you're in pain, we're in pain. When you're suffering, we're suffering. When you're doing well, we're doing well. We need one another. And they were devoted to the, notice it says, devoted to the fellowship. That means the body. They prayed together, held each other accountable, did meals together, went to church, went to small group. They didn't listen. They weren't all in when it was convenient time. They weren't part-time lovers to the church. They didn't take breaks because of travel ball. They weren't online because it's easier. They didn't back off because they were offended by their pastor. <laughs> they were devoted to the fellowship. Devoted. And they chose this devotion. Can I just tell you, 25 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. I've never skipped church. And I just decided, man, up or down, I'm with y'all forever. I am your ultimate ride or die Christian. I am never leaving the church until I go to heaven. And you know how many kinds of people are in church? All kinds. And I'm in it to win it. I'm devoted. I'm in it. Can I ask you to please devote yourself to the body of Christ? Don't judge other Christians. Don't criticize other church folks. I posted on social media this week something like, it was really brilliant. I said, um, oh, man, somebody pulled it up on Twitter. I said something to the effect of, nowhere... Like, it, it is never helpful for followers of Jesus to become critical of other followers of Jesus. You know what the world thinks of that? Y'all can't even get along with your own self. And we fight over whether or not women can preach or not. Do they speak in tongues? Are they racially divided over there? We fight over all these things. Can you lose yourself? Who cares? Let's just devote ourselves to one another and be the body of Christ and hold each other accountable, love each other, celebrate with each other, care for one another, and be devoted to the fellowship. Who cares? Why, why are we fighting each other? I don't know. I never understood Christians dividing over one another. I just don't get it. Okay. <laughs> she told me, she's like, don't be mean. Don't be angry. I'm not angry. I'm, I'm fired up. I love the church. You know why I love the church? Because no other organization on planet earth has hope. We're the only ones. And we're too busy fighting each other over dumb stuff. Well, what do you believe about? Who cares? I believe the Bible. What's your position on blah, blah, blah? I have the Bible's position. I don't have a position. The Bible has a position. I preach the Bible. And you're welcome here. They were devoted to breaking bread. Come on, this is Southern Christianity right here. They love to eat. <laughs> now, that's meal sharing, and it really has a double meaning here. And for Luke, he's not only saying they ate meals together, which he says again later in verse 46, but he's really talking about the Lord's table. We call it communion. I mean, they, they for centuries understood the Passover meal. And Jesus rehabbed the Passover meal. And he said, no, no, no. Now whenever you eat this meal, the bread and the wine, this is about me. How many of you know meals are still a powerful way to connect with people? I think everybody should leave here and just find some stranger and be like, hey, you want to go to eat today? Like, let's go have a meal together. I don't know you, but you look like you got money, so you're buying. Come on, let's go. <laughs> let's go. They were devoted to sharing meals cooking and serving with one another. And, and then look, they brought it to the Lord's table. Look, I don't care where you go eat. Break something and drink a little something and say, we're eating this meal in the name of Jesus. His body was broken for us. Break a tortilla chip if you have to at El Bracero today. Praise the Lord. The blood is the salsa. Come on, dip it in Jesus' name. Just the point, like, we get so bent out of shape over the formula. It has to be bread and grape juice or wine. And you think God's in heaven going, no, 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 I can't bless this meal at El Bracero. Yes, he can. Snap a corn chip and let's go. <laughs> the point is, we are fellowshipping in the name of Jesus. And we're having this meal. They were devoted to doing life together, even at the intimate level of having a meal. And they were devoted to prayer. Come on, somebody. Man, we've gotten so awkward with prayer, but they were all in with prayer. They beat the 
brakes off of prayer, man. They were always just rattling cages when it came to prayer. Why? Because they knew Jesus. They loved Jesus. They trusted Jesus. They worshiped and adored him, and they needed him, and they called on him, and they say, God, if you don't go with us, we don't have anywhere to go. They adored him, and prayer is not about you formulating the right words. It's about connection to God. It's about calling the Lord into your circumstance and saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. And we call on you for healing and transformation and power and revival and breakthrough. Man, every move of God in the New Testament started in prayer. They were devoted to prayer. We're afraid to pray because we're afraid of what others think of our prayer. We pray in silence because we don't feel like we know what to say. Man, they were devoted to prayer. Jesus said, my father's house, which now we call the church house. He said, my father's house, the people of God should be known as a house or a people of prayer. Man, if all you do is pray over bread time, bedtime and meals, Lord bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. Where did that come from, by the way? It's like in the annals of church history, the document on how to pray for food must include the words to the nourishment of our bodies. If your prayer life is nothing more than bedtimes and meals, that's not a prayer life. They were devoted to prayer. Somebody comes in there persecuted by their family for following Jesus. Man, let's call God. Let's call in to the Lord about this. Somebody's sick among you. Come on, lay hands on them and pray right now. Don't put them in your thoughts. Well, you're in my thoughts, brother. Don't think about me. Pray for me. <laughs> I'm trying, y'all. Y'all hear me? Y'all feeling me? Okay. And all who believed, look at this, all the Christians, all the believers, thousands, remember verse 41, were together and they had everything in common. It doesn't mean they all, you know, practiced the same, you know, worked out at the same gym or voted the same politics. That's not what they, all in common. It means everything they had, they shared. My truck is your truck. My house is your house. You need a twin bed mattress, it's my mattress. You can have it. You know, whatever. My tortilla chips is your tortilla chips. Everything they had, they had all things in common. They were even selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to one another. They weren't just getting rid of old stuff and pawning it off for charity. They literally were like, hey, I've got this extra and you have a need. Man, I got you. What's mine is God's and you're God's, so what's mine is ours. That's a level of generosity we've not seen in our country probably ever. We still have an attitude that what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. And if I got a little bit left over and it makes me feel good and I get the flutters and I can write it off on my taxes, I might give it to you. Can I tell you socialism is a construct of the government, but generosity is a construct of the Holy Spirit. What, what the church is failing to do by taking care of widows and orphans and neighbors with bushes growing over their yards, what the church has failed to do for decades now, the government is forced to do. My good friend, Dr. Mark Green, he's our congressman for this area, he has told me numerous times, he said one of the reasons he's in Congress is because he wants the church to realize their role and responsibility to care for one another and that it's never God's design to have federal, state, or local governments do the work of caring for the people. That's the church's job, and we got to get our priorities right. They went to church, look at this, selling their possessions, belongings, distributing. Hey, man, you got a need? Your water heater went out? No problem. I'll sell this little mower here and get you a new water heater. My money's God's money and you're God's man, so it's all our money. Man, that's a level of generosity we just don't have. But they were devoted. This is one of their devotions, to generosity. So when I asked y'all earlier, like, would you give a day to serve? Your calendar is God's calendar. What do you even care for? Like, God, whatever. You want me to give up a day of serving? You want me to give up three hours a day to serve? Who cares? It's God's. They were devoted to that. And that's what I'm challenging us in this message. Will we devote ourselves to some of these devotions that they had? Look at the next verse. Day by day. Everybody say, every day. 
No, you got to say it with a little sauce on it. Say every day. Every day they went to church. And every day they broke bread in their homes. That's twice in the same text they had a meal. These folks were church folks. Everybody needs some church friends in their family who keep like cream of mushroom soup on stock. You know what I'm talking about, casserole lady? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Keeps extra bags of shredded cheese in their fridge just, for, just in case they got to bake something with tater tots on it. You know what I'm saying? You need that kind of friend in your life. Every day, look at this, every day they went to church. Every day they broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous. They weren't snobby about it. Is that gluten-free? Is that kale? Is that organic? Is that... Just take it and shut up. Like, glad and generous hearts. All the kale leaders are super offended. What you going to do about it? You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Glad and generous hearts, praising God and having, look at this. Here's the piece that I love. They had favor with everybody. I'm going to tell you something. The results of their lives of devotion was God blessing, God's blessing on them. Man, I mean, can you imagine Look, look at the results they had in verse 43. It says, awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Man, I'm telling you, God's people, if we'll live with right devotions, it'll change our city. Notice it says, awe came upon every soul. And not, it doesn't say awe came upon the 3,000 that were saved. They were already in awe. That's why they gave their lives to Jesus. This is the rest of the town. This is the rest of Jerusalem. This is why God could add these people now to the body of Christ. Because can you imagine going to work and your colleagues going, man, I don't know what's going on in your family, but I love watching what you guys are posting or saying or promoting, the stuff you're putting out. You walk in peace all the time. I am in awe of the life you live. How can I have that kind of life? Can you imagine being in your neighborhood and people showing up at the front door going, man, your marriage looks like something we need in our house. Your family looks like you got your stuff together. Obviously, you got some issues, but you, you have such peace and such grace and generosity and tranquility in your home. We are at awe of the God that you serve. We want to know more. The outcome of this life, listen, you can't control God's outcomes, but we can control our devotions. But here's what I believe. God will do something in others when, you can, when we decide to be devoted to him this way. You know what they weren't devoted to, by the way? Let me just point this out if y'all didn't notice in the Bible. They weren't devoted to the latest social trends. They weren't devoted to sin. They weren't devoted to forcing Jesus to accept their sin and bless their sin. They weren't devoted to divisive politics and greed. They weren't devoted, de devoted, devoted to forcing their own agenda in, into other people's lives. They weren't devoted to forcing their pride issues and their identity issues and their, their divisive topics or ideas. They weren't devoted to making sure everybody believed, looked, and acted and dated like them. They were devoted to Jesus. They were devoted to one another. They weren't devoted to winning arguments or fighting fights. They weren't devoted to whether or not their own denominational version of Christianity. They weren't devoted to any of that stuff. <laughs> that would come later. I had somebody ask me just yesterday, what kind of church is that anyway? Which is a loaded question. Basically, if we're not that person's brand, they're not interested. I said, well, you know, I belong to a fellowship, but we preach the Bible and we love our city. That's what kind of church we are. Yeah, but I mean, like, what denomination are you a part of? I said, I don't care about any of that stuff. That wasn't their devotion. Shouldn't be our devotion. Who cares? 
If this, if this pulpit is, producing, is presenting the Bible and spirit-filled living and the life of Jesus and everybody's welcome here to have their lives messed up by Jesus, that's the kind of church we need to be. Right? I'm telling you, man, God's people living with right devotions, it'll change our world. I think our world is looking to the wrong places, to science, to government, to money, to popularity, to social media, to Hollywood or whatever. But I think the world should be looking to the church. I think the reason the world stopped looking to the church is because we're not that awesome to look at anymore. Our devotions aren't there. We're not devoted to scriptural living. We're not devoted to Jesus. We're not devoted to church attendance. We're not devoted to generosity and fellowship. I'm smiling. We got to get back to those right devotions. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Man, I'm so convicted reading this. I'm like, man, Mike, up your prayer life, up your devotion life. And here's the deal. I don't have to do this. I get to because the spirit of God is living on the inside of me. He saved me like these 3,000 souls, and immediately I get to be devoted to Jesus. I want to see miracles in the church. I want to see blind eyes open, bodies healed, marriages restored. I want to see prodigals returning to their parents. I want to see God turn greedy people into generous people, criminals into pastors. I want to see God do the miraculous. I wrote this yesterday on my social media, I said, I'm preaching the end of Acts 2 this Sunday. I can't wait. The early church had powerful devotions, and that resulted in some powerful results from God. I'm not sure we should expect the same powerful results from God if we won't devote ourselves to some of the same devotions. Lord, help us. So here's our future. Awe came on everyone. And then finally, praising God and having favor with everyone, And the Lord added to their number every day those who were being saved. Here's what I see. They managed their devotions. God managed the growth. And I think God wants to grow his church here. I'll never apologize for being a church that wants to grow. Never. I think God wants to see lost people saved all the time. The question is, are we a safe church where he can send people that need to be saved? Are we a church that's so devoted to him? That we're not going to catch them at the back door going, I don't know if you're going to make it here. I don't know if you're going to be welcome here. Look at how you're dating and dressing and look at how you're wearing. You know, are we a church that's so devoted to God and one another that the Lord can trust us to see his lost sons and daughters saved to the glory of God? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Can, like, can you literally hear what I'm saying? So what if we would go all in with Jesus? What if we just devote our whole selves to Jesus? Maybe you've been like thinking about it, praying about it, hearing me talk about it. I mean, I talk about it all the time. The mission of our church is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, devoted followers of Jesus. Our mission is not to build a brand or to build some following. Our mission is not denominational. It's not even the name LifePoint. Our mission is to lead you to be devoted to Jesus. Your personal life, your private life, your financial life, your married life, your soldiering life, your work life, your professional life, your secret life, your sleeping life, your sex life. Every part of your life, is it devoted to the Lordship of Jesus? What if we just did that? And here's what happened. As soon as he saved them, they devoted themselves. They're like, we're in. This makes sense. I'm all in. What if we go all in with our devotions to Scripture like they did? Read your Bible and do what it says. James says if we read the Word and don't do it, we're like a person who walks away from a mirror and forgets what we look like. He said, even the devil believes in Jesus, but doesn't obey him. It's not enough to just read this thing. It's to let it transform us and change us. What if we would become devoted to scripture and biblical living 
Study your sermons. Talk about them. Commit to biblical-centered living, not culture-centered living. What if we go all in with our devotions to the fellowship like they did? I'm talking go to church, be in a small group. Can I tell you as a pastor, I'm not a good salesman, but I feel like a failing salesman every time we stand up here, me and our campus pastors, and we go get in a small group, get in a dream team, and you don't. I can't change your devotions. Only you can do that. What if we just go all in and devote ourselves to the fellowship? Become a part of the dream team. Serve on serve day. Be in a small group with other weirdos. Open doors, rock babies. Run a camera, not because of a Sunday job where I got to fill a box, but because we're devoted to this thing. We're devoted to the fellowship. What if we go all in with our devotions to prayer? I mean, what if we just become a church known for praying for people? Somebody comes to you at work and they're like, man, I'm not feeling well or my marriage is falling apart. Rather than go, well, you'll be in my thoughts. You just put your hand on your forehead and go, I'm gonna pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Devil come out of them. Family be healed. Marriage be transformed. What if we just become a people of prayer? Go to a restaurant today with some strangers or somebody that's gonna buy your lunch and then ask the server when they bring your drink and they say, can I get you anything else? Say, hey, we're gonna pray over our meal today. Can I pray for you about anything? What if we just become a people devoted to prayer? What if we go all in in our devotions to generosity? I'm telling you, your time, your talent, your treasure, your calendar, all of these things. What if we just go, God, it's all yours. We're a generous church, but I'm telling you, I know this. Not all of us have gone all in with generosity financially. Some of us aren't generous at all. We don't give to God. We don't give to others. We're not generous. What if we just did that? What if serve day was a great day of us to be generous and give time away, give our talent away, give our skills away, clean a yard. Don't judge the guy. Go serve the guy, right? I just think God did amazing work in this early church. They were a model for us. And there's a reason that's left in scripture for us. It's because it's still the model for the church we wanna be. And I believe with all my heart, God will continue to add day by day people who come to this church, come to every church in this city that'll have a heart like this. And I do pray for this over every church in town, that we would have a heart like this so that God can bring people into his family through his church. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Come on, Lord, we love you and we honor you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it's about you. It's about Jesus being lifted up. It's about the kingdom of heaven advancing. God, we thank you that you love this city. We thank you that you love our nation. We thank you that you love your church. God, we thank you that you have loved us unto salvation. And God, may we never forget to love you back, to be passionately, intimately, deeply in love with Jesus. God, would you help us to increase our devotion to you, increase our prayer life, increase our scripture life, increase our generosity, God. Help us to increase our passion for you, that, God, we would grow in devotion to you. In Jesus' name, to God be the glory. Now, Lord, we're all in. We're committing ourselves. We're taking steps forward this summer that we'd never be the same, that, God, we would take steps forward in our love for God, our devotion to you. In Jesus' name. While everybody's praying, come on, nobody's looking around. Let me just ask this question. First question, most important. If you'd say, Pastor, man, I really need to give my life to Jesus. I believe in him or I've heard about him. I believe in him. I believe he raised from the dead for me and he died for me of my sin. But I'm ready. I need to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I'm all in. I'm giving my, myself to him today. Nobody's looking around. I just want you to look at me. Raise your hand and let me know if I'm praying for anybody in the room. You don't have to move or get up. Come on. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Praise God. Anybody else? Wow number of hands going up. You say, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going all in. I'm recommitting or I'm committing for the first time to Jesus. Anybody else? Yeah. Amen. While nobody's still praying, if you say, Pastor, all these areas of devotion, I got to go. I got to grow in these things. 
my devotion to the fellowship, my devotion to scripture, my devotion to prayer and generosity and serving. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I got to grow in these areas. Come on, would you just wave your hand at me? Let me know. I know that's all over the room. Come on, anybody else? Hands going up. All right. We're going to take some bold steps forward. Pray it with me. Say, God, I'm all in. Come on, say it out loud. God, I'm all in. Say, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin so I can live my life completely for him. I confess my sin. I repent and I turn to God. I will live for you for the rest of my life. Now pray this. Say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. Change me forever in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we want to grow in devotions and we commit as a church to take steps forward in our devotion to scripture and prayer and generosity and, and the things of God that you've called us to, to serving one another, to be a witness. And a God, I believe that all will come upon our city, all will come upon our coworkers and our families, our neighborhoods. And God, that lives will be changed to the glory of God because as we devote ourselves to you, you will send people that we can lead to faith in Jesus Christ. And we give you all of ourselves here forward. We're all yours. We're all in. We're committed in Jesus' name. Help us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's celebrate that today, everybody. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord.